Welcome to the Indie Comics section. Join us as we take you through the pages of some of the best stories and art available in comics. We'll talk to creators, hear about their inspiration and creative process, and then we'll read their comic and discuss it together. We hope you'll join us on this journey into some incredible comics and find some new favorites along the way. Welcome to another episode of your absolute favorite podcast in the entire world, Indie Comics. I'm Maddie. I'm Andrea. I'm Brandon. And we have the amazing Cecil with us. Cecil, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Cecil Castellucci. I write the comics. She writes all the comics. The good comics. Everyone. Only the best ones. Um, Cecil, how did you get involved in writing the comics? How did this come to be? What's your origin story? Uh, well, my origin story is I wrote uh, I write young adult novels as well, and that was um, my first career. And um, I wrote a book called Boy Proof uh, that was about uh, a girl who's obsessed with post-apocalyptic science fiction films and cosplays as her favorite character and goes to school every day. And she reads Vertigo comics. And um, I've been trying to figure out how to break into comics because I thought it was something that I would like to do. And uh, this was, you know, in 2000. 2000. The millennium. Yeah, the millennium. And um, and I wrote I wrote this book, and um, you know, I couldn't figure out how to break into comics. It seemed very complicated, and I didn't know anybody who was doing it. And um, uh, I got uh, I got contacted by Shelley Bond, who was at Vertigo, and she was launching a line for girls, and um, she had read my novel, um. And I don't have a very, like, uh, my prose style is very lean and mean. I, I'm not very good at descriptions. I don't like a lot of flowery descriptions. It's just, like, action and dialogue. And so, um, so <laughs> yeah, so she she was like, I think you might be good at writing comics. And I was like, I've been waiting. <laughs> so um, You manifested it. So, yeah, so, it was, yeah, it was perfect, yeah. And uh, so that was the Plain Janes. Um, that was the first one that I did with Jim Rugg. And uh, we just re-released that with a new third book um, like a month ago. Yay. That's awesome. What's your journey been like since then? Well, I mean, I continue to write novels and then, um, you know, did a bunch of graphic novels. And I've worked with some great people, Nate Powell, Sarah Varon. Um, uh, and then, um, and then I was really lucky. Shelly again, um, was, uh, starting a new line that, uh, Gerard Way was curating, um, called Young Animal. And, um, she was like, there's a character named Shade. We want to redo it yes. as a teenager. And, uh, it's going to be a girl and an alien. And I was like, what? A young adult girl and space? Like, that, those are my two favorite things. <laughs> Covers all the bases. So, I mean, yeah, and I've been doing other com. I mean, I'd done some sort of indie graphic novels, but um, uh, you know, I'd done a lot of like short story anthologies and um things like that. So I had like a lot of short stories under my belt, but it had been sort of a goal of mine to try to get like a monthly. Yeah, and um, so Shade was my first one, and then you know, Shade led to Female Furies, and Female Furies led to Batgirl. And so that's what I'm doing now on that on that sort of end, which is and then amazing. I still do, yeah. So and I still do, um, you know, original graphic novels like Girl on Film or Soupy Leaves Home. You know, I'll never stop. Yeah, and that's something that today we wanted to talk to you about Girl on Film in particular. What brought you back to telling your own story then? 
Well, you know, it's really interesting because it wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, I, I really feel like I want to tell, you know, this story in particular or whatever. I actually had <laughs> sat down with um, Sierra Han, who is an editor at Boom, um, Archaea, and um, she wanted to know if I wanted to maybe write a memoir about being in an indie rock band, a white girl band <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, Cause I was also, that was one of my careers. Because well. you're basically the and- coolest human. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, you know, I was just living my life, being in a band, you know, and, um, and I said to Sierra, I said, no, but you know, I would be really interested if I were going to write a memoir. I have all these like sort of strange stories that intersect with like people of pop culture and, you know, going to an arts high school and living in New York that, doesn't exist anymore you know this sort of gritty like you know 70s 80s New York and I'd be interested in writing about that and so um so that sort of became um then what we decided that I was going to do and um it was really hard (laughs) what was the hardest thing about it the hardest part I think about writing a memoir is the sort of self-examination you have to like look at yourself in a different way and you have to look at some uncomfortable moments. Um, you know, there are certainly some scenes in the in the book that um, that I lived through that were not pleasant. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, you know, like I remember, you know, this one day there's a toga party scene, you know, where I was um, assaulted, and um, you know, like I just like put my head down and cried like on my desk like the day that I wrote it because I was like, this is not this is not a pleasant writing day, you know, (laughs) like it was just super hard. And then also like, you know, uh, you go back and, and you, you, you remember things differently than the way that you think that you remembered them. And I found that to be really fascinating. And then there's also like, you know, the sort of petty things that you have, you know, the hurts that you carry with you and the, um, the pain that you caused other people and that they caused you. And, and um, I spoke to my godfather, who's in the book, Jacques D'Amboise, who's a famous ballet dancer. And um, he was with the New York City Ballet. And he had done a memoir recently about his time with Balanchine and dancing in the New York City Ballet in the 40s and 50s and 60s, 70s. And um, I asked him advice, and he gave me the greatest advice. He said, um, do no harm do no harm to other people and do no harm to yourself. So that was kind of the motto that I, that I brought through with me. Can I just say, um, you know, you saying that going back into a time that was not pleasant, you know, especially at that party, it's unfortunate, you know, what happened, but I just want to say, and I just want to commend you like that bravery in you talking about it and you bringing light a situation that so many people have gone through and to put it in art as a way of like, you know, like kind of like a cathartic, like therapy moment. I'm not sure that's how you felt writing it. But I just feel like it's so beautiful like that. You know, yeah, we all go through these horrible moments, but for you to manifest it in art, and for you to bring it out into the world, and be like, hey, this happened. But look at me like I am writing Batgirl, you know, you did a book on Princess Leia, who I love, you know, like that's Ben's mom. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, you know, but for you to like come so far and to be such a beautiful icon that like we absolutely adore and love, like I just want to say like, you know, thank you. Thank you. You know? Oh, thank you. I mean, I think probably I got a lot of 
that strength to be able to write that because Christine Blasey Ford had like just, you know, sort of spoken in front of, um, you know, uh, and, you know, you know, for the Kavanaugh hearing. And so, um, I recognized her story so well, you know, I mean, for myself, I was like, she's not lying. Like, that's absolutely true. And, um, and I mean, and in the book too, like, you know, my dad and I talk about it. I mean, I think that was one of the, um, the interesting things sort of to put context is that like, so I was struggling with this book because I had all these cool sort of anecdotes, but it didn't really feel like a book or a story. And um, one thing that I kept noticing was that I would, um, you know, I'd remember something and then I um, would look at my journal and it was completely different than the way that I told the story now. And then I would talk to my friends who were there and they would tell a completely different story as well. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And um, luckily for me, my father is a world-renowned neurobiologist and his specialty was the mechanics of memory, how we store long and short-term memory. So I called him up and was like asking him questions and I eventually just started recording the conversations. Um, and then that became a part of the book so that it's kind of like about how we remember and how we forget and how we contextualize our own sort of memories, as well as me wanting to become the world's greatest filmmaker and <laughs> completely failing and like becoming a different kind of artist instead. And that sort of journey through art. What do you feel like you learned about memory from that? Because I feel like that's something too, that whether people can relate directly to your memories and to the exact plot or experiences of this comic everyone can relate to that feeling of like remembering something or misremembering something or like, like for me personally, I don't remember a lot ever. Like I have a really bad memory, but then someone will say something about, Oh, remember the time we went and did this. And once they talk about it, it all comes flooding back to me. And so it's memory is such a funny thing. And like, what do you feel like you drew out of this process and from talking to your dad and, and from writing this? Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I know a lot about memory now. Like that would be the retrieval problem that my dad talks about, you know, where it's like, the memory is stored, but like, how do you retrieve it? And you need a connection to yeah. kind of make that. And and what I really love um, that I sort of felt was beautiful was that it's like we're other people's memory keepers as well. Mm. You know, um, we keep, you know, we keep, we just, we don't just have our own brain and our own memories, but we hold other people's memories for them. Yeah. And they hold our memories for us. And I thought that was just really sort of beautiful and uh, community oriented and sort of like, you know, very human, you know, um, and beautiful. Um, and I think the thing that um, was really interesting was how beautiful it is that memories, the context of things change as you age and you get experience with different things. So something that, um, you know, I might have looked at first at my journal and been like, how come I'm remembering that wrong? But it's not that I was remembering it wrong. It's that I didn't have the wisdom or experience to understand that my friend was probably bipolar or mm. that like, you know, that like uh, my teacher was suffering in some way that I, you know, uh, like one of my teachers who had, um, who died of AIDS, you know, like mm. was suffering in some way or, you know, all these things. But now through age, through experience, through things that I've gone through, I have the context and I have the ability to sort of go back, revisit these memories and be like, oh, <laughs> now I get what was happening, mm -hmm. you know? And like, 
um, I think that was the biggest thing that I learned about memory was that it's it's normal and beautiful that that they change and they grow and that um, and how lucky we are that experience helps us to, you know, give better context to them. Yeah. And like with those memories, like like those that's your life, your experience and what you've gone through and like you get to put yourself into the book with that. Is there anything like with that? Like since it is your journey that you love most about it, or is it just everything coming together that really just makes it for you? Wait, what do you mean? Like, do I love my life? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we love your life. So how could you not love your life? But is there anything in the book particularly that you put in there that really you wanted people to get that you just love the most that you want them to experience that with you? I think it was just the joy of getting, to make art and wanting to make art that sort of desire to just be an artist at no matter what you know that like I really do feel like I say in the book that it's a calling you know like Mm -hmm. a lot of times I do school visits you know with kids you know because I you know write young adult books so I do a lot of school visits and a lot of you know kids who want to be artists writers you know whatever I I don't distinguish between arts you know it's artists Mm is all kinds of arts and um and they say, well, how do you know? How do you know if you're really an artist? How do you know? And I'm like, try quitting. Because I quit every day. Every day I'm like, I can't do it. I'm done. <laughs> and then like the next day, I'm like right back in there. One time I, I woke up, quit being a writer, got on the train, went to Disneyland. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Went down to Anaheim, went to Disneyland, was like riding the rides. I was like, see, this is my life now. I don't have to write anymore. I can just come to Disneyland. Everything's great. And my agent called me and was like, what are you up to? I was like, I'm at Disneyland. I quit being a writer. I can't write my book. We're going to give the money back. It's all done. And uh, he started laughing. And he was like, all right, call, call me tomorrow when you're a writer again. <laughs> that like, you know, that's part of the process. You try to quit. Yeah. And you can't. It just you know? sucks you right back in. You can't get away from it. <laughs> yep. What What has that experience of being an artist and in so many ways too, with your novels, with now graphic novels and comics, which are a totally different kind of medium in so many ways? How does it How does it feel to identify yourself as an artist and and kind of how do you how do you think other people can fit into that? Um. Well, I think it's great. I mean, one thing is I think that like my, you know, eight year old, nine year old self would be not too pissed off at me. (laughs) You know, I think she'd be like, wait, where are your Academy Awards? I don't get that. They should be on your shelf, you know, but yes, they're on the way. The Eisner. Never fear. Yeah. Um, So that I feel pretty good about. Wait, I, what was the second part of your question? (laughs) I think just that identity as an artist. I mean, it's such a big part of this graphic novel and and I love this idea of everybody can be an artist if you're creating whatever it is that you're creating you know how do you self-identify as that and how does it make you who you are oh yeah I mean I think I hope that that comes across that it's like I mean I I've always felt about art that like you know you do it with sock puppets or you do it (laughs) with you know you do it you know um to your cat or, you know, you do it to like, you know, the Hollywood Bowl or, you know, um, you know, like big or small, like it doesn't <laughs> matter. That's not that's not the the thing. Just as long as you do something, you create something, then you are an artist. 
And that's something that so often we hear because we, we try to get advice, too, for people that are just starting out on trying to create comics or be, you know, an I don't know how to say artist and a painter or drawing artist, <laughs> I'm a, a sketch artist, animator, whatever, um, like a, a physical artist or, you know, a writer or an inker, you know, whatever it is. How do you break into that? And I think so many people always say just create, go and make something. And I think that that rings so true in your storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like work begets work, right? You got to yeah. put it out. I mean, the only reason why I got, into, got to even write comics was because I'd written a novel, yeah. you know? Like I'd done some work and somebody saw it and thought, you know, maybe she could do this other thing too, you know? I mean, it's the same thing. I just, you know, I've written two librettos for operas. It wasn't like I went to school for that. It was that like, you know, I'd done these novels, I'd done these comics and the artistic director of a company was like, I put together composers and, you know, writers, choreographers, um, painters and commission new pieces, would you be interested in doing that? But I never would have gotten asked to do that if I hadn't had a body of work, you know? So it's like, you just have to like, you, you know, nobody gives you your career. You have to give it to yourself. And that means that you just have to like continually put stuff out. And I think within that, then also like saying yes, right? Like, you know, even yeah. if that's not your background, you're like, yeah, I'll try it. But I'll you're do like this. taking the yeah. leap. Totally. Yeah. It's like, I'm not comfortable, but hey, you know what? Yeah. Let me do it. And I'm just, an artist. I can do I'm it. I'm an artist. You already know I... how to do one thing. Let me let me see if I can do this. <laughs> Why not write an yeah. opera? Sure. And, and the worst thing that can happen is that you hate it and you never write another opera again, right? Like that's <laughs> Maybe that's not for that's you. The, yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the worst thing that can happen. That's awesome. That's really cool. I just wanted to jump in really fast. And I just want to say like, you know, it was, it's awesome to hear you talk about you know, if you were to talk to your eight-year-old self, how would they be? Like, would they be proud? And, you know, also hearing just, like, your inspirations. And I just kind of wanted to ask, like, do you have any, like, literary or artistic influences? You talked about, obviously, you know, the doctor who testified in the Kavanaugh trials, who's someone who, like, yeah, like, we inspire. And it obviously, you know, pro like, purport, like, what am I trying to say? Impacts us. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have, like, so many people that have influenced propelled, me. Propelled, you. Yeah. propelled you. Propelled <laughs> you. That's what I, I mean, meant to say. You know, I mean, my godfather, Jacques, I mean, he yeah. definitely was an art mentor for me, you know. Um, you know, Miss Kay, who's in the book, who, you know, yeah. let me do a performance art piece instead of handing in an essay. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was really important to me. I I hated her a lot because <laughs> because um, she um, had she had this special um, creative writing class, right? You had to like um, you know uh, submit a short story, and then you could get accepted to the, her special creative writing class, and mm. you know whatever. And I got rejected. I was not I was not in that class, and um, and it um, really made me mad. And I was very mean to her, mm. and. Um, and so when she said, you know, uh, okay, you can do a performance art piece instead of um, writing an essay, um, and I got an A on that, um, it wasn't because it was so good, because it was really terrible, but it was, she pulled me aside and was like, this is why I didn't accept you to the creative writing class, because 
this is the kind of artist you are. Mm. And that would be too formal for you. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't blossom the way that you should. And mm. it was really great to have somebody see me in that mm. way and say, you know, but the problem is, is that it just felt like rejection, right? Yeah. It just felt like, just felt like a big no. And, um, and so that was like a process. I mean, the other thing too, is that like, I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, I think it's obvious, maybe it's not, but like Jennifer Aniston is in, in the book. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's like also really interesting to think about, you know, like who, who you're with and who becomes big, you know, who's working and who's not working. Right. Like, I mean, Jennifer was incredibly talented and she always wanted to be Lucille Ball and she succeeded in that, you know, um, and, but there are other people that, you know, that we went to school with too, that I'm like, huh, I wonder why that person didn't, you know, like, you know, they, like why they didn't flourish. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. You know, whatever. And it's like luck and timing and, and whatever. I mean, I like, you know, and, and they're probably doing something else, else that's fantastic, you know? It is. It's such an interesting way of how some there are so many sparks and some of them, you know, you can have influence on your community and on your family and on the people around you. You can have influence in a different sphere or in a different genre. And there are people that just somehow blow up. And it's really incredible yeah. to kind of see when that mix of hard work and luck and timing and all these things come together. The right people see you at the right times and they just kind of lead you on that path. And yeah. And like we're talking about, we were, we were talking about, which is kind of in context, you said Ben Solo earlier, we we're talking about Adam Driver Woo. before we started this. <laughs> podcast and whether he's hot or not leave a comment on the podcast and tell us what you think <laughs> andrea's um, right he's hot <laughs> most of the people on this podcast think he's hot so tell us if we're right or wrong which is, um she's so beautiful but he's just so handsome <laughs> but the point of this is is that i had a friend in high school that we were in bye bye birdie together we she had i think a named part and i was like a full-on ensemble person like lucky to get in that because i don't sing super well um they needed bodies i think mm -hmm. um but like we held the signs in this one part together in the back and would hang out backstage and she's rose in star wars like unbelievable oh, oh my gosh yeah like kelly yeah. marie tran yeah kelly tran is like one of my close friends sisters was her best friend like i used to hang out with her all the time and now she's in the star war that's crazy like, it's cr we were in a high school production of bye bye birdie and now she's legit in the star wars and also representing beautiful asian women everywhere in the star Wars. yeah um so like it's just crazy to see that exactly of like how people can you know go from a little high school in san yeah. diego to crazy stardom but also doesn't mean any less that like i'm doing what i'm doing or i'm on this rad podcast yeah, yeah. and i mean like i think the thing is is that it's like you know everybody that i went to high school with i mean we were all training you know yeah um, and Plenty of people that I went to high school with, they're, you know, they're working actors. You'll see them on, you know, on television. Um, yeah. You know, um, like uh, my friend Reno Wilson, who's on um, Good Girls, you yeah. know, and um, and so, uh, you know, or Lenny Venito, who's, you know, who I just saw on Marvelous Miss Maisel, you know, mm -hmm. like, like they're working actors. It's just like Jennifer just became the biggest one, yeah. you know, like. Um, Did it feel like a lot of pressure we growing up in that environment where all of you kind of were budding stars in your own ways and, and trying to figure out how to make your own space as an artist? I mean, I think we were just all very serious about what we were doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the school is different now. I think now they allow the high school kids to audition. Um, 
you know, for, for films and stuff like that. I mean, I think like one of the a recent graduate who's now famous is Timothy Chalamet or whatever, uh-huh. however you say oh, yeah. his name. Um, but like, um, but at the time when we were in high school, you know, there was that rivalry with professional children's school, which yeah. you see in this cafe scene where they were all working actors and we were all training actors, you know, yeah. like our, we were not allowed to audition for things. We had to, you know, we had to like, you know, just sort of commit, commit to our craft. And so there was this sort of like weird unspoken rivalry at the coffee shop between, <laughs> you know, my little, you know, group of, of gals and gentlemen, um, uh, Chaz <laughs> Bono, a boy, and, um, you know, who were, um, you know, um, you know, working, you know, w- working on our craft and whatever. And, and we sort of felt superior to the people at the opposite table, which was like Christian Slater and like, oh, wow. Wow. and like, you know, they felt superior probably because they were working. Like, <laughs> we, they were getting on the job training, you know, and, yeah. and stuff. And it was just like this weird, um, you know, this sort of like weird, uh, you know, different, different sort of schools of, of, of thought of, of how you become an artist and both are valid. I mean, we're all like 15, 16, you know, so it's like, (laughs) it's like our superiority was like, you know, we're training, we're actors, we're training. And I'm sure they were like, we're working, we're sweating, we're training, you know? And, um, and, uh, but it was, you know, it was great, but we were very, we were all very serious about making art yeah, yeah. but it, i mean it, i just went there because i thought it was good to learn how to direct actors yeah yeah but it goes to show you that like work is work but if you put in the work either way you're gonna you're gonna succeed and you're gonna achieve your goals just some some people's path may be shorter than others um and some people's path may take a, bit, a little bit longer but as long as you're putting in that work you can keep yeah. going and it's a, a good yeah. message to push, like not push, but like <laughs> tell to push them out of the nest, <laughs> get out of here <laughs> to, to portray onto that younger audience, like of teenagers and Should everyone it, yeah. going through school and everything right now. And I, I know you said you, you wrote young adult novels. Is that who your, your comics are leaning towards or is there a specific audience uh, other than that, that you're trying to really portray a message to? Well, I mean, I think I, I write for everybody. I mean, you know, um, I mean, Shade was a mature reader, you know, but I mean, I still think it's like cool for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Batgirl, I, you know, it's not specifically teen, but it's definitely teen, you know, friendly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to, I don't, I don't like labels, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like for the publishers to decide where, you know, where they go. I do like writing young protagonists because I feel like, young protagonists um are you know sort of um they run very um their feelings run right under the skin so Mm -hmm. they're very interesting to write about you know it's like the first time you fall in love the first time you're betrayed the first time that like you know you have uh like a heartbreak or whatever uh you know everything Mm -hmm. yeah everything feels like the end of the world it could be (laughs) the actual end of the world or you have a pimple on your nose you know what i mean and that's the end of the world and they're equal, you know, there's no difference between those two things. So, um, so I find those, um, that age to be super compelling, but you know, um, I mean, I, I have all kinds of different stories. That's true. You kind of get to watch a younger protagonist grow into their personality and become the person they are where when you get an older one, it's just like, this is who they are. This is the story (laughs) I'm telling. 
Congratulations. Yeah. Well, I think it brings <laughs> that youthfulness back to all of us in a lot of ways. Like we're always growing and changing. Um, but I think everyone can connect with young protagonists because we were all young at one time. Mm-hmm. And it kind of Absolutely. brings back those feelings. And- and does it really feel like we've ever left high school? Right. I feel right. Like, no. I no. Feel like there's like clicks and cool tables and not cool <laughs> tables and like it's like and pimples like it's still all the same. Oh my gosh, know? I'm turning thirty this year and I get pimples everywhere. <laughs> like I, I'm like this pimple on my nose has been here since I was fourteen, and oh here we are God. again. <laughs> I know. I still get carded, and I'm twenty. Sometimes it does not get better. No. Just wait. Wait until you stop getting carded, okay? No, I get carded <laughs> for rated R movies sometimes. Yeah, and I used to. And you know what? I don't anymore. And you're going to get then they'll start carding you for the other way. I know. They'll start carding you the other way. They'll be like, oh, are you 65 or older? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you have your, your, your card AARP. for your early supper? <laughs> yeah. My dad was so proud when he like finally hit 65 which he's much older now but like he was like i'm gonna get my early dinner and i'm gonna get my senior discount and i was like you live dad you go it's like the last like big landmark that's cute <laughs> what um Cecil, what drew you to comics i know that you kind of fell into them but you wanted to write comics even before your novels what is it about comics that you love so much um well oh god so many things um <laughs> I mean, I've always loved comics. I mean, I grew up reading comics. I'm, you know, yeah. like I, we talked about earlier, I'm French Canadian. And so, you know, there was a lot of um, Tintin and Tintin. Asterix mm-hmm. and Lucky Luke and, um, uh, you know, uh, Smurfs um, when I was growing up. Um, and then obviously Batman and Superman. And I mean, I always loved comics. My brother was younger than me, but he had a pull list. And so obviously mm-hmm. I read everything that he had and, and stuff. Um, I, I think what I, what I've come to realize that I love about comics is um, first of all, it feels like being in a band again mm-hmm. because, um, because it's, team you know, effort. it's not, yeah, it's a team effort. And when comics are great, when you're making a really great comic, you're collaborating a hundred percent with the artist and with the, you know, with the colorist and the letterer and the editor. I mean, it's, it's really, everybody has to contribute and it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but the other thing is that, um, I love words, even though I don't like a lot of flowery descriptions, but there's, um, there's something to be said about silence and quiet that you can have in Mm -hmm. comics that you can't have in really any other medium. Absolutely. Well, even those like splash pages and certain things that are just so unique to that form where you're you're taken aback by it or you, you really feel it in a yeah. different way. And you've worked in, you know, kind of big two territory with Batgirl and um, and even Shade to a degree, um, although she's more indie. Uh, what is it about independent comics in particular that you find to be special? Since you're independent indie comics? comics? Yeah. What's what's cool about indie comics? Oh man, indie comics are <laughs> great because, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I think of Plain Janes as an indie comic, even though it originally came out on DC Comics. Um, I mean, I think that there's just like, there's so many more stories than just superhero stories. Yeah. And I love superhero stories, but um, I love that um, indie comics has room to have quiet, slow stories. Yeah. And really creator-owned creator content, I think, is yeah. 
it, you mean, can tell some really think... unique things. Although, yeah, you and you kind of tell yeah, independent I mean... style stories within DC, which is really cool. And I mean, also, it's like, I think you can also tell, um, you know, I mean, I think that there are plenty of um, plenty of smaller indie publishers now that have, yeah. uh, you know, IPs that they're doing sort of like indie, you know, comics style with too. You know, I think that like, especially with Raina Telmiger, Mm-hmm. sort of changing the landscape of kids comics you know which is uh you know an area that I've been in for 13 years um you know I think the whole landscape has changed and I think that there's just room for so many different kinds of stories now absolutely that's cool um you know I was looking at a lot of your stuff like before you know we came on here and I was like looking at your Princess Leia stuff and I was looking at you know um plain jeans like those like all of it and I was just wondering like what do you do like for your writer's block? I feel like you have such a flow of creativity and you have, you know, <laughs> such a great like communication, but you know, like what do you do when you have those moments when you're like, I'm going to stand still. <laughs> Make us believe you're human. <laughs> oh, you mean, Oh, you mean like today? <laughs> <laughs> like that time you went that to Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I don't think that there's such a thing as writer's block. I think, that it's just like, I think stories are like a fine wine. They Mm -hmm. have to be aged and they have to, um, they have to mull about for a bit. And sometimes, you know, you can't decant it early. You gotta like, you gotta let it stew and let it, you know, sort of go through its sort of process. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, a lot of times when you have writer's block, it, it just means that you took a wrong turn in the story Hmm. and you need to like take a couple of steps back or like unstitch that stitch and re restitch it. Oh, I Um, love that metaphor. And then I think, I mean, my strategy is, you know, either take a walk. That's what I did. I went and took a walk to the grocery store and bought some milk. (laughs) And even though I'd already sent in my um, Batgirl script, I, on the way home, I was like, God damn it. I should have ended it like this. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to change it. But, um, that's but that's amazing. good. You know, <laughs> that's, that's good that like, you know, because it's like the, the thing about writing is that even when you're not writing, you're still writing. Yeah. Um, and then my other strategy is uh, doing the dishes and taking showers, washing my hair. <laughs> For some reason, I think there's like the repetitive movement of, um, washing your hair, doing the dishes kind of allows you to get to that dreamy space hmm. that you need for writing. Like mm-hmm. like uh, rain sounds when you sleep or like you're writing and just that yeah. sh- yeah. You're like, yeah. Ah. Awesome. I mean, you've been doing it for so long. I feel like you've really mastered like your, your ability to just kind of overcome those humps and everything. What would, what would you, like, what advice would you give for anyone new who's trying to start out and really break into it and find their rhythm uh, in creating or writing, whatever it would be? Well, I mean, I think, like, a couple of things, right? Like, like I said, um, sometimes not writing is writing, um, <laughs> you know, um, that you have to, like, give that time to let your brain sort of do its magic and sort of weave the tapestry. Um you got to go see things to write about things. So you can't just, you know, and you got to see things that are not necessarily just the things that you always see. Hmm. So, you know, you should like, if you don't really like uh, going to like natural history museums, you should go to a natural (laughs) history museum and look at some bones or, you know, whatever, or, you know, I mean, you should see, 
you know, if you don't like, uh, if you don't like Western art and you only like Eastern art, you should go look at some Western art or vice versa, you know, like you should like shake things up in what you put in front of your eyeballs. And, um, I think that's really important for writing and you should be kind to yourself. Writing is hard. It's not, it's not easy. And, um, and you know, you, you need to like, you need to like not yell at yourself if you, you know, didn't make like your page count or your word count or whatever, just, you know, just fucking sorry. <laughs> just like, just go like step by step, you know, like, it's just so hard, you know, just be nice yeah. to yourself. Yeah. And I think that's in, like, I love that you're saying that because I, I don't know, Brandon and Maddie, you can, you know, argue with me on this. <laughs> I feel like nowadays, like we have a lot of people who do, you know, art on Instagram, art online. And I feel like one of the themes that I always see is this idea of like not being good enough. And I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of the times these artists open up and they're like, I feel terrible and I'm so sorry. And they feel this like need to apologize for them not being able to create content, you know, but like hearing you and just being like, hey, like, don't give up. Like, sometimes your story yeah. just needs to brew a little longer. It's hard now because it's so easy to get your stuff out there yeah. that everyone's criticizing you and you yeah. you feel like your process isn't a good enough process. And I think that's yeah. what it comes down to. Like, because everyone's well, process is different. Is that, yeah. And the other thing, too, is that it's like... I mean, it's not like I look at my first novel, Boyproof, and I'm like, my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> like, you know, I look at it now and I'm like, I never would write the book that way. Yeah. Now. I mean, it's like, it's not terrible, but it's like, it's just a document of where I was at that, at time. that time. Yeah. And so like nothing is ever finished and it's just a document of where you are. And hopefully you grow and you build on that and then you get better the next time. So instead of like being frustrated at like, oh, this isn't very good or whatever, just think of it as like, wow, this is great. I did it and I'm going to get better the next time I do it. Yeah. And like when I look back at this like 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, oh, I see what I did there. Because I mean, I can read Boyproof and I'm like, oh, I see what I did and I see how that is interesting or what I was going for. But now I just know so much more. I mean, it was, it, it was interesting. Jim Rugg and I, you know, we did Plain Jane's one and two in uh, 2000. We, we wrote and drew it in 2006, 2007. They came out in 2007, 2008. And um, we just came out with, you know, an omnibus that has book one, book two, and a new book three. And so 13 years later, or whatever it was, 12 years later, um, <laughs> Me and Jim, ha you know, we're like, okay, we finally did it. We're going to finally tell our third story. Mm. And all of a sudden we were like, wait a minute, I don't write comics like that anymore. Mm. And he doesn't draw comics like that anymore because we've grown and we've gotten better at what we do. So it was really fascinating to have to mimic a style that both of us don't do anymore Yeah, and go back to um, it. Go back to it. But there was a lot to be learned. It was kind of like going back and like, you know, just like learning the alphabet again and being like, oh, A, 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 B, B, B. Like that was really interesting, you know? And so 
I feel like yeah. that's such a good point, though, of just giving yourself credit, loving yourself. I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race lately. And if <laughs> okay. you can't love yourself, how the hell is anybody else going to love you? <laughs> can I get an amen? Can I get yeah. an amen? But, you know, if you don't love your own art, how is anybody else going to love mm-hmm. it? They can, you know, so yeah. much comes through art and there's feeling and there's emotion and your audience, whatever that audience is and whoever it is, is going to feel what's coming mm-hmm. from you. So, like, love yourself, love what you're creating and just make more of it. The people who are going to like your stuff are going to like it regardless of yeah what other people say if you put your heart into it then the people who are supposed to like it are going to like it and i just hope that like people who sorry maddie i just hope anyone who's listening you know anyone who's struggling anyone who like you know put down their pencil right now and like are crying because you know like they just couldn't get something right like i hope they like take her words you know take your words and are just like you know what let me go into the shower let me wash some dishes let me just get my juices flowing again you know? And you got clean dishes and a great idea. Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, we love? and it's okay to quit for today. Yeah. Go to Disneyland and start again tomorrow. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's such a that's uh, anyone who's not even an artist. It's okay to quit right now mm-hmm. and come yeah. back to it. Self care. Take a break. It's Hashtag really twenty twenty. But. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we love you, Cecil. You're so amazing. It's been such thank a pleasure you. to talk with you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for inspiring us. Yes. Um, and thank you for your amazing art. Um, and thank you, wonderful listeners, for listening. Thanks for joining us. You can check out our other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all podcast apps. You can also check out our website on thegrandgeekgathering.com for articles, videos, and more. Please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know if you absolutely loved Girl on Film, if you loved this article, if you think Adam Driver is hot, whatever you want to tell us. We <laughs> want to hear it from you. Yes. We want to hear from you in your <laughs> your reviews, and you can also stay updated on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we stream on Twitch, and we've got uh, Let's Plays out. Um, lots of fun stuff. Check it out. Our intro is provided by Cranston, and you can buy Girl on Film just about anywhere. Um, so check it out. You can go to your local comic book shop, order it from them. LCS is forever, um, but it is all over the place, so you have no excuse. Check it out. It's amazing. Um, and thank you for joining us and come and join the gathering. Have a great week and G G G.